Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Carl Brightman. Carl, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, I'm Carl sure. Brightman and um, I do drone photography. Um, I currently live in Cornwall, which I've just moved to about a month ago. Um, it's been raining ever since I've got here, so I've not been <laughs> out much. <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit wet where I am, but yeah, it's time yeah. of year, I think. I think that's just the British weather, unfortunately. Yeah, it seems to, it always comes across here first, so it just seems like it's wet a lot, but it's kind of microclimates here, so you kind of get in and out between the showers, because I'm right on the edge of Bodmin Moor, so. Oh, right, okay. Whereabouts, Lit- what area the, is that? It's just, near, I'm near Bodmin itself, but I'm kind of in a little hamlet um, in the middle of nowhere that's, I think the nearest shop is seven miles away, so if I need milk, it's a bit of a, a long walk. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I went down to Bude in the summer, so I sort of was around sort of that kind of area. I wanted to go to Bodmin Moor, but I didn't get a chance in the end just because the weather was a bit pants. But yeah, I was down um, Devon Way near Bude. Um, oh god, where is it? I can't remember now. But it's called Black Church Rock is where I went to get uh, pictures okay. down that along sure. the North Devon coast. That was nice down there. Yeah. Cool. Um, so obviously as as we do with the podcast we tend to ask people to pick their sort of favorite three pictures um you've sent across three which look really really good um you said you wanted to start with the boat one so what's the story Uh, i probably had a drone about a month then and coming from a photography background um i did a degree in photography and just using cameras it was kind of when i first started to fly drone and take pictures i was like whoa I can't compose anything because um, you've got so much in the photo. So it's quite a bit of a learning curve and an adjustment to change um, how you view things. But I kind of initially started to do this kind of more top down stuff. And kind of the boat is the first one I was kind of looking around for interesting compositions. I see a seagull on this boat in Saltash Harbour, who's down there visiting relatives. And um, I took this shot, and it's kind of the first shot that I took. With a month again, I was actually pleased with. Uh, that was with the Mavic Pro at the time. Sure. Yeah, it's a really nice picture. I mean, I I love the sort of the blue and, you know, the the, the highlight that you've always managed to get on, on the boat with it. And obviously the seagull sitting there as well. It's, it's really nicely composed. And obviously the light just gives it that little bit of extra sort of depth to it rather than just looking flat. Because I think that's yeah. always something that I struggle with when shooting top-down pictures is that it, because you've got nothing to judge. Like I took a shot the other day of some trees looking straight down and it's really hard to get any kind of depth on anything because it just looks like really, really flat because you're just shooting everything at the same distance. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Even um, some of the cliff shots I've done looking down at at valleys, you like, I can't see the the scale there unless you get a person or something to add a bit of scale. Yeah, it's quite difficult to do those. Cool. It, this kind of was the first one, and this one I was messing around with, like going a bit haywire on the presets and adjustments. Um, I've kind of veered away from that. There's a difference between if you're supplying stuff to people um, and Instagram and stuff like that. So I kind of now, um, through learning and sort of tuition with an agency that I'm with, about how to process for different markets. So, sure. One of my first ones. I've kind of had loads of goes at this boat, um, like changing it around. But yeah, it's just that's one of the other things about um, James Tucker, like, is the actual process inside in Lightroom. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, 
I think just the biggest thing for me is just this, the different perspectives you can get from things. I mean, obviously you mentioned that initially you started with the top-down shots and I can see the other shots you've got are more sort of traditional landscape shots, but obviously with a drone. And I think that's what's so nice. I mean, I was chatting to Simon Allen the other day um, yeah. and he, one of his pictures, um, we were chatting about how that although one of his shots was from Dirdledore and obviously the traditional shots of Dirdledore you see are all from either from the cliffs or on the beach looking through the arch but yeah. even just taking a drone and sticking it over the beach but just that little bit higher it just gives such a different perspective on things and it's it's really yeah. it, it makes your shot stand out especially with something as picturesque as Dirdledore obviously it's really really popular online and that kind of thing and just having a drone makes it stand out a little bit more um, so I mean the next shot was uh, Lulworth Cove you said yeah, it was one of those. Um, I start by then. I was kind of getting quite a following on Instagram, and you kind of get influenced by what other people do. And I don't really appear in my shots much, but um, people get saying you need to get in your shots, or whatever. So I kind yeah. of did the shot on the cliff, and was quite pleased with it because it's kind of makes it look quite epic and uh, different. Um, it looks quite. It's hard to get when you go see places the scale of them, what you actually see with your eye, and then what you capture. Hard to kind of get that. I, I, I was really pleased with this one because I think I actually got what I was looking for. I've been a bit braver and moved nearer the edge, but I've got a bit of fear of heights, so I'm not really like stood on the edge of a cliff type person. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> well, blame you. No, I had um, back when I was at uni, I was mucking around with a friend, funny enough, Dan Dorset, and he used to get sweaty palms and really sweaty if people went near the edges of things. And I got too near the edge mucking around and then he slipped down. Um, luckily I was fine but yeah it's kind of made me wary of that sort of thing now yeah I'm not a fan a massive fan of heights um, I was um, down in Boscastle when I was down in Cornwall um, and I went right onto the edge of that and I managed to get the shot that I wanted but there was like an extra little boulder which I could have stood on but it was like you know it was quite a big drop off the end and I was just like oh it's not really worth it for the shot <laughs> you know it's a drizzly no, day it, as it was and you know it's difficult because when you go to the edge I, you get a little bit of vertigo and you're trying to take a shot and look and then you just like look down yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, I, it's not fun I generally if you see me still on a rock I've normally got a kind of stood kind of with one foot on a rock and one foot down just in case so I can go back. I don't generally stand it. just makes me nervous when I see people perched right on the edge of cliffs. And Yeah. So is, is that bit of Lulworth Cove, is that quite easy to get to? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm just going off of what I remember the Man of War Beach looking like. I know obviously that's Dirtledore, but the um, that kind of bit, like the entrance almost to the beach is sort of quite secluded so you have to go through the water to get to it but is this bit sort of quite easy to walk to or is it you know a bit of a, um, bit of a swim job? Uh, when you come into the entrance most people go to the I'm trying to think which way around if you come in it'll be the right hand side um, and that's the dodgy side because funny enough when I took that picture of me stood up on that piece of cliff on the other side um, my girlfriend was taking photos and there was one photo with three people stood on the cliff and the next photo there's two because the other one's fallen off and a helicopter oh. um let's get a rescue helicopter to come and get him so they got the coast guards to pick him up off the cliff and then they dropped him on that field at the back and then the air ambulance took him off but yeah that's oh. the bit most people go i've gone around so you walk around the beach and then you it's not it 
you can walk and it looks quite safe. It's only that last little bit that you say I've not walked on that probably is safe, but it's just that edge is a little bit too steep and close. Yeah. Kind of. uh, it's a really, really lovely shot. And obviously you've got the, the nice yeah. light coming in from sort of the, the water and the beach is sort of a little bit more in shade. So it sort of highlights the cliff edge going all the way up sort of into the background. It's a really nice shot. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. You, uh, so if I get up at uh, sunrise and try to get that light or around sunset, sunrise is better because there's less people around, but sunset is easier to get up for and go to. I'm more yeah, sunset yeah. Than sunrise. Sunrise yeah. is a lot colder as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot colder and you don't always get the conditions either. A lot of sunrise I've been to have just been naff and nothing's really happened, yeah. which is annoying. Um, I think I've since I've been here, because sunrise here is about 730 Okay. I've been up the more three times and it's kind of petered out. The one time I was up there, I didn't bring anything with me on a sunset and it was absolutely amazing. So uh, we'll capture yeah. something up there. Cool. Um, and the last shot, uh, you said there was an interesting story behind this one. So I shall let this you explain. Is, I've, I've kind of, um, I'm more creative. I'm not very technical and I don't like planning and stuff like this. And it's, talking about what are your failings probably my biggest failing is failing to plan because then you plan to fail as they say um yeah. i generally go off on a kind of right let's go i'm going to go and do stuff i kind of get there I, I did it when i was doing my degree i kind of we were told you have to have a plan in place a plan of action i found that kind of stifled my creativity i'd rather go there and then the way i suppose my brain works is I will look about and I immediately get ideas and then I'll shoot from there. But it, that doesn't always work when you're doing landscape stuff. Um, the position of the sun. I mean, uh, there's a few times I've gone and the sun is in a completely wrong position because I've just not researched it. Um, yeah. But this one I did research. I wanted the sun coming. I'm trying to look at the picture. The sun coming down the, the rocks um, at Mute Bay. I don't know if you've been to Mute Bay. I haven't, no. It's yeah, it's quite a probably about a forty minute walk from Lulworth Cove, but it you don't get many people there, and it's kind of really wild. There's a smuggler's cave um, oh, cool. down on the beach, um, so it's really nice around that area. Um, so I'd gone there, I'd planned it, checked where the sun was on the rocks, got there early. Um, sometimes I don't get there early enough, and you miss the sunset or sunrise. So yeah. I've got there plenty of time. I'd gone on to the beach. I'd seen um, a guy that was running a fishing magazine with uh, Phantom 4, was doing some flying further out, um, and then taking pictures of uh, some guy that was bass fishing, chatted to them for a while, went into a cave, and then, okay, the sun's getting his position. I'll go around onto the beach, got kind of to the beach area, um, set the drone up, took off, everything was fine, um, started to take pictures. And it was as I was trying to line up, because the shot isn't lined up perfectly how I wanted it, but every time I tried to come in, it kept coming up some warning. And I kind of didn't really notice what it was, um, took my shots, and then thought, I just want to come in, land, and change the filter. And then it wouldn't come into land. It kept standing on the edge of a boundary zone, of an authorization zone. You can't right. come in. So I was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> um, so I kind of flew it round to where the guys were fishing to try to land it there, but it wouldn't land there. I flew it back round and it just wouldn't let me come into the land. It was literally probably 10 to 15 metres out to sea. By then the tide was coming in, so it was, uh -huh. what do I do? What do I do? And then just 
that notion of thinking, uh, I think this is going to end up in the sea. And it literally did. I tried everything to get it to land. It wouldn't. And then just got it as close as I could. My girlfriend was going to go into the sea, but at Mute Bay, it's like steep ledges. And then you've got rocks sticking out kind of like, right. like this. So I said, don't go in there because that's probably about 20 feet deep where you're going to get to where the drone is just not worth dying over. Mm. Um, and then just watch, as I call it, the Mavic just go in the sea, all its alarms going off. And then the realisation, like, oh, no. But I landed it somewhere. I thought there's a big pool there. It's going in there. I'll come back in the morning to get the drone. So it was kind of the best day I've had with flying a drone and getting the shots. And then it ended like that. So it was a bit of a downer. But um, yeah, I went back in the morning. Someone had already been there when the tide was out and it was gone. So um, I thought, well, that's that. I've lost the pictures. But um, a couple of weeks later, some DJI contacted me saying someone had found the drone. So I contacted the guy and he said that um, he'd found it on the path. So someone had found it, walked off with it and then just dumped it on the path and he'd found it and contacted them about the drone. So he actually posted it back to me and wow. that came off the memory card. The memory card was fine. The drone was knackered. It was all sorted up and whatever. But yeah, it turns out the day that I was flying, because I've flown there loads of times. Um, yeah, I was going to say about that, because obviously... I changed the rules and turned it into a authorization zone. Um, but when I took off, it didn't say anything at all. Mid-flight, um, something had updated and it, the authorization zone was there. And I Because I hadn't got permission to be there, it wouldn't let me back in. Yeah, so I had a bit of a, a kind of a thing with DJI trying to get some compensation because I said it's a software fault. It shouldn't be updating mid-flight um, because if I was, say, somewhere and it was going to land and I couldn't get it back to land in a city or something, it would be dangerous. But they admitted fault, but then they wouldn't admit fault. Um, they sent me a free battery for the Mavic Pro 2, which is a drone I'd replaced uh, the other one with. But, yeah, live and learn, so yeah, I mean, it's luckily enough, touch wood, it's not a situation I've been in so far, but yeah, I can imagine it's pretty scary, especially when you're trying to bring it back. I mean, I've had a couple of scares. I was out in Norway end of last year and I had um, yeah. a spark um, and the compasses don't tend to like Norway because it's quite strong in magnetic interference. And there was a couple of times where I was sort of flying that out and it would disconnect from the controller and I'd just be like, I think this is it. And then they're not flying back and reconnecting to the remote. But yeah, I can, it's, it's not nice, especially I can imagine in that situation where, you know, you can't do anything and you're just watching it go, but it's, that's amazing that you managed to get it back and the SD card was still recoverable. Yeah, like. SD card was fine, but sort of going back a few months, I just done my drone license and talking to um, the guy that was training me. He said, if you'd have turned off your phone, and the DJI Go For app, um, the drone could well have just come back because it would have gone mm. back to its original GPS. But because your phone had updated, it was kind of the information was being relayed via the phone. But um, I don't know whether that would have happened. He said it, it may well have come back. Yeah. In hindsight, if you ever lose your drone or, and it's something to do with your phone, turn the phone off because I didn't know that um, if you turn your phone off, as long as you've got your uh, drone in line of sight, you can actually fly it back with the controllers without the phone. Yeah. Um, so doing a license is quite handy, actually, because I learned quite a few things. Um, yeah. Is that, sorry, is that something that you did like a couple of months back this year or a couple of months before these pictures were taken? 
No, um, a couple of months back during lockdown, um, I started to do um, the drone license. It was an online course, so um, I did the exams. Um, they were quite difficult, actually. I didn't, I didn't spend enough time um, learning. It's supposed to be a three-month course, and it ends up going over four months because I was moving and um, working as well at the time. I was working full-time at home, doing a drone license and stuff. That's quite difficult. Um, but yeah. I passed that, and then it was the flight exam I was more worried about because I don't know whether you played video games. Um, if you start to think about what you're actually doing with all the controllers, it's quite difficult. Yeah. Sometimes forwards is backwards and backwards is forwards and left is right and right is left. The same with a drone, depends on what way you're going. I don't really think about that. When I'm flying, you just kind of get into position and get your shot. But when you're having to um, fly boxes and then fly the reverse and then have the camera in and then have the camera out and then come down at different angles when you're thinking about all of this it's quite difficult yeah definitely <laughs> take it slow and steady didn't want me like being a bit of fpv flying around like a nutcase but um you mentioned earlier on that there was one of the times that you went down to bob memoir near you but you didn't take your drone and your kit with you um what yeah. do you normally take in your sort of drone kit what what you know what's your standards what do you carry with you um, I've got um, DJI Mavic 2. Um, with that, I have I've got three batteries that I take with me. Um, I've got diff various different filters. I've got Polar Pro filters. I've got Freewell Pro filters. Um, I've kind of, in lockdowns where I purchased um, a camera, got an ESR um, and some L-series lenses to try to get back into that as well. Um, I haven't found a bag. I've literally got three rucksacks. Um, I try to put all the stuff in. I'm not happy with any of them. It's um, either too heavy, too uncomfortable. I'm trying to take all the stuff. So I try to, and still looking for a decent rucksack to just take the camera and the drone. Because sometimes um, down here I've been to fly the drone, um, but I've not been able to because it's too windy or there's it's not the right conditions. And then trying to have a camera as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's I, the only downside. Obviously, it's, it becomes quite bulky when you take a camera body and lenses as well with you. And obviously, DSLR stuff can be pretty heavy. So yeah, um, I can got, imagine trying to find the right things probably a little bit awkward. So I tend to try to leave one in the car um, and go backwards and forwards like that. Or if it's a long walk, I'd, I'd, yeah, I just want a comfortable rucksack. But I generally just take the drone out, really. Um, I haven't really taken the camera out and done any um, stuff with it yet. Like landscape wise I've been up on the moors testing it and stuff um, I've always been used to manual cameras so having a full kind of digital camera um, it's quite a steep learning curve actually you think you'd be able to switch it on you pay that amount of money for it switch it on and take good pictures and it doesn't work like that at all you've got to set yeah. it up learn how to use it really yeah it's not like the old style cameras I used to use um, so you mentioned that that was a, a new camera that you've got sort of since you've been in lockdown. Is is drone yeah. photography been something that you've done sort of solely since you finished, or sort of since you've been in, into photography? And then more recently, obviously, I know you said you did the degree, in, but I was in photography after my degree. I was freelance for a while, um, and then um, my partner was having uh, twins, so. Um, wasn't making that much money so I got a job at um, Ordnance Survey um, in their aerial photography department. Okay. Worked there for about 15 years. I, I kind of um, resigned recently um, to come down here and just make a go of things. It's kind of 
lockdown and pandemic kind of makes you think that life's short really and if you're going to be doing something you might as well be happy doing it and if you never try you never know so I kind of um, packed everything up and moved down here um, some people say you're mad but I just think it probably it's the time is right actually yeah um, gives you time to do stuff I've got savings to keep me going for a bit so um, I'm okay yeah so I used to do uh, photography I used to do product photography and landscape photography um, with normal cameras um, but then when I went in the office um, on a computer all day because we used to get the aerial photography in from the airplanes um, on film and digital and it was all processed through uh, like Photoshop and specific aerial photography software so you spend all day on a computer last thing I want to do was then come home and spend more time on a computer so I kind of drifted out of it to be honest, I kind of lost the love for it. Um, and then my friend who I'm kind of partners with in the business, but he's kind of running more of a business at the minute. He's got a company called Black Kite Productions. Um, he kept on at me about getting a drone, saying your photography, get a drone and do stuff. Um, I eventually kind of did, got the drone and kind of the first couple of weeks, I was like, I don't know why I brought this because I just not feeling it. I can't take pictures with it. They look awful. Um, and then once your kind of brain gets around to the way of composing and getting these shots and you realise you've got to go out in the same kind of, that you've got to have decent lighting conditions to get decent pictures. Uh, yeah, I just fell in love with it and been mad about it ever since. I think my girlfriend calls herself a drone widow because it's like whenever it's a nice day, right, we're off. She's kind of left walking around while I'm flying the drone. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. very addictive. I just find it, I, I hate it. Um, like now, I just want to get out and because I'm down in Cornwall, I want to get out and fly and I've not been able to go. I've been to quite a few nice places just wrecking for stuff that I want to do, but it's just been so windy and wet. Yeah, so I got into drone photography and it's kind of lifted off since then. I, I went onto Instagram, um, didn't really expect anything and it kind of just picked up really quite quickly. I suppose I was lucky it was just before they started to, they got sold to Facebook, I think. And everything started to change. Um, so I'm, I'm not up to 10,000 yet, but I'm near enough on 9,000 now. And it's a slow progress getting up. But it enabled me to get work with um, the first people I got sponsorship with was Merrill. I started to work for Merrill as an ambassador. Okay. Um, I got loads of free boots and did loads of stuff for them. So, And then since then, it's been lots of like little companies you do bits and bobs for. Um, sure. The main people I work for now is Treedom. I'm ambassadors for them, so I do stuff for them. Um, but I've kind of left that kind of thing so I can focus more on... Um, I've decided, as I said earlier, I'm more creative. I'm not technical enough, and I kind of wing it a bit. And doing my license and stuff, realise I've been winging it quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm never happy with stuff I get back. As soon as I get back home, if I've done this, if I've done that, if the weather had been this, if the sun had been there, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And you pick yourself up and then I go off and repeat and then come back and go, why do you do that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that is one yeah, of the only uh, downsides of drones I find is that you are very reliant on the weather conditions. I mean, even if the sunlight's, even if the lighting's not perfect, but obviously you're relying on no rain, very little wind and that kind of thing. And where maybe in you know with a more traditional camera you could be a little bit more creative with the lighting and you know the clouds yeah. and that kind of thing you are a bit more weather dependent when it comes to drone stuff but I think that is made up for in the fact that you are you know you've got the sky to move around in and you know you can get that 
perfect sort of composure that you're looking for in the shot. Yeah, definitely. It's a different um, style. People say it's oversaturated and stuff, but there's so many angles and so many places. Even the same places like Dirtle Door, I've, I think I've probably got two shots that I'm happy with there, and I've taken thousands of shots there. But um, yeah, I kind of... Um, at the minute, since I've got the Mavic 2, I have a real battle, and I see other people that are saying, oh, the pictures are fantastic. I I cannot get a decent sunset with the Mavic 2. I've tried graduated filters, polarising filters, ND filters. I can never... Do you know when you shoot kind of directly into the sun and you want to get that kind of starburst? I've tried so many things to get that, and it's just not happening, and I can't get the, the orange of the sky. Not that I the same that I did with um, the Mavic Pro. Mm. So, and it's, it is, if you were on the ground, it's easy to set different filters up to get different effects, but it's quite difficult because you've got your drone up in the air. Yeah. You've got a limited amount of time. So if you've got to get it right with the filters, but that's what I want to do when I'm down here is practice more, um, experiment so I can get yeah. the results I want. It's interesting you say that about the, um, about struggling with the sunsets because I've got a Mavic Pro myself um and i was out in france uh, in august shooting uh, a sunset at the mont saint michel um yeah. and i found the drone actually coped a lot better than i thought it would especially shooting straight into the sun um and you'd think obviously with the mavic 2 pro having the larger sensor the hassle by camera like you think that it would be able to cope a little bit better i mean i've i've not heard any any people sort of saying that they've struggled with sunsets or anything but that's interesting you say that but obviously it's such a versatile camera it's got the 10-bit color like it's that it's the next step up and yeah. you know it sort of falls at the sunsets which is a bit of a unusual one but maybe i'm just fussy it's um i find with the skies um you get some orange and then as you're processing it kind of creeps into that i call it like a dirty blue or dirty kind of bluey green color at the top and i just can't yeah. get rid of it post-processing so it's so i tend to now try to shoot sideways onto the sun and kind of whip it out of shots you've just got the light coming in rather than trying mm. to get light directly on it I, I don't know whether you've seen there's a shot that i did um at black church rock okay um i mean you you're talking about risks i'd paid to go down there we was in the cottage nearby um the weather was awful it was wet it was windy and i said i'm gonna go down there anyway and i got to black church rock and it was really windy. Um, I think it's probably 20 mile an hour winds, but gusts of up to 40, it said. And I got there and it stopped raining. The clouds had cleared and the sun came out. And you could see it was the Black Church Rock has got kind of two little um, archways. It's a bit like Dodo Dog with two archways, a smaller version yeah. in a rock. And it's quite kind of triangular, so it's quite striking. And I thought, I know that sun's going to come down. It's going to shine straight through both of those. So I'm going to come, I'm going to go round the back and I'm going to look down so I can get this, look look at the sun coming forwards and it coming through the rock. And then you've got the, the lower with all the rocks. But it's incredibly windy. And I took the drone up and I just thought, I sod it. It's a bit like only fools and horses. Who dares wins here? If it goes in the sea, I've got insurance. I don't care now. Fed up. I've waited all weekend to get out. So I just did it. And it was literally flying and the battery was going, but I, I actually got the shot. But it's once again, it's the sky at the top and where the sun is, it's kind of just burnt out a little too much. And I had a yeah. 
a graduated filter. I think it was from four to 16 um, ND filters to take that sky down, but it's still, um, still a bit iffy, so I don't know. Maybe I'm doing something like basically wrong. I don't know. I've seen other people with great shots. Um, yeah. I mean, science. it does sound like you're very self-critical of yourself. I mean, some of these shots are fantastic, especially on your Instagram. Like, <laughs> they're definitely not anything to to criticize but obviously you seem to be very self-critical and i mean yeah trying to get that i think you have an idea shot. in your head don't you of what you want to capture definitely. and then you get home my girlfriend always says hey what's wrong with that and i goes, well is this this and this and i should have done this and i should have done that and so and then i keep thinking i need to plan so yeah planning is um one thing that i'd advise people to um photo pills is a good app i use that to plan yeah. um get the sun um I've got varying different weather apps as well because down here in Cornwall, um, it's like last weekend we went to uh, Hollywell Bay uh, Beach there and um, it was pouring with rain here, which it always seems to do. Uh, I think because we're right near the edge of the moor, the weather fronts tend to come in and hang around here. So um, we got down there, but it's just too windy, but it's such a nice beach to uh, shoot down there. So that's definitely a place to go. But I did think about taking... Um, off there and I was going to but um, the gust of wind that really blew me off the beach put me off because <laughs> I don't think the drone would take that kind of gust yeah I mean they are pretty drone. good at taking the wind but obviously it's it gets to a point it's like well is it worth it like it's yeah I've had I've, just before I lost the Mavic Pro you know when you have a feeling that you've ridden your luck for quite a long time <laughs> yeah and you take loads of risks and it's going to catch up with you. I was at uh, Corfe Castle with my friend Scott Garrett, who's the other half of Black Light Productions. And he'd done his drone license. And I went marching up the top of, you know, the hill that's opposite uh, yeah, yeah. Corfe Castle. And it was quite windy. And he started talking to me about, oh, well, did you know that you've got this wind and that wind and then you've got a crosswind? And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to take off. I literally took off and the Mavic Pro just like started to disappear that way. And I was oh, pushing God. forwards and it was just going and going. And I was just like, oh shit, this is never <laughs> Just panic. And I went, you're the pilot. What do I do? And he goes, you've got it in sport mode. I was like, well, isn't it not already in it? He went, no, you've got to set it. So it's, it's just drifting off. Probably about two kilometers away by the time he's got sport mode back. And he's watched and he's kind of seen where it was and he's, his training, I suppose, from doing the license, he kind of knew what he was doing. He lowered it to almost treetop level and just come back round and landed it. And he was going to say, you should listen to what I say, which is, <laughs> yeah, definitely true. Yeah. yeah it's I interesting you say that your um, commercial license sort of helps you just even in sort of general drone flying and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, I know with the sort of new regulations coming in there, I've I've looked into it briefly, but it is quite <laughs> daunting when you look at the ones that sort of due in at the end of the year. But um, I know, obviously, you can fly without a licence, but there are different yeah. like, tiers, I think. I think I've just got the, the basic kind of, oh, it, the old PFCO licence, isn't it? Um, so you still um, can't do night flying and stuff like that, but they are, they've changed, they're changing the rules. So, I mean, I was told that it was a good thing to do, but um, I don't know whether it's going to be cheaper to do the new ones because you've got different tiers. It depends what you're doing. I was saying to the guy, all I do is I fly, occasionally do filming and take photos. So I generally stay away from people. I don't like people. <laughs> 
and doing that drone license where they say all the things that can happen um like he said that um the batteries on a drone because i've recently got um i've got one of these um the bags to put your batteries in yeah um because apparently they can explode and they're quite dangerous when they do um because they're lithium batteries which i haven't really paying any attention to to be honest so i've got one of those um and he was saying what do you do if your drone catches fire or we'll run over and try to put it out and he went no you stay well clear of it because it will just explode mm. um so I, I didn't know that and the other thing i didn't know um, when you land you're supposed to land backwards um because then you can see the lights at the back which i've never done so um i only ever land backwards because i can't get it close enough with the sensors on I always bring it back to me backwards just because otherwise if I'm standing there sort of near it, then yeah. it starts to beep and won't go any further, which is, so I tend to fly it backwards anyway, but I didn't, not for that reason. But if anyone asks, I'll just pass it off as, as it, uh, yeah, I knew that. It's a good idea because the sensors are this thing. I've tried to, have you tried to do the um, catching it? And I've, I've yeah. braved myself to do it because on the first Mavic, I did catch my hand and it kind of made me wary of trying to like catch it. And I was trying to catch the Mavic 2, and every time you put your hand, it just lifts off. Yeah. You end up being stupid trying to grab it. <laughs> and I did grab it, and I was trying to pull it down, and it was just roaring off, and I just let it go in the end. So, uh, <laughs> I had yeah, that with my down. spark. I was I was wearing gloves, and the, the, the blades got me. And although, obviously, it didn't cut me or anything, it was still pretty painful. And, I mean, even with the Mavic, I sort of try and get it to a low enough point and then just grab it rather than sticking my hand up. But, yeah, I mean... I, I do find I've um, recently bought uh, like a landing pad from Moment, um, which is sort of like a really yeah. rugged material. And I find that really good because obviously with the Mavic series, obviously your camera is quite low to the to the ground. So if you're trying to yeah. take off in grass or sand or anything like that, you don't really want it anywhere near that. So the landing pad's great for that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, catching in the hand is handy sometimes when you're sort of in a busy area and you don't really want to put it on the ground. Yeah, I've had a few instances where I've landed and got the blades caught up in grass and you have to spend a lot of time cleaning them up. Um, I've, yeah, I've got a landing pad. For the exam, I had to get um, a windometer thing, um, a landing pad. I've got one of those like, jackets with a, a drone on the back to say that you're working. Um, had to get cones, a fire extinguisher, first aid kit. So I've got all this stuff that I was just in a box in a boot of the car now. Sounds pretty pretty involved. For is that something that you need even for hobby flying now, or is that just something for when you're doing commercial stuff? No, just say for commercial stuff because when you um, have to fill out your um, whatever it's called, I can't remember now. I should know, but when you fill out to CAA, you have to have all this stuff and you fill out a form to say that you've got all these measures in place to protect people, protect stuff. So um, so I suppose if I'm doing anything commercial from now on, I'll be doing that. Um, but kind of personal hobby stuff, I, I don't think you really need it um, on top of a cliff when there's no one about, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, is there um, any advice that you could sort of offer to guys just starting out? I mean, obviously you've mentioned that you've, sort of been doing it for quite a few years now is there sort of anything yeah. that you would give advice to people that are just starting out with their drones i'd say you've got to give it time um i mean a lot of people say you've got to find your style which um i've been trying to find and still don't know what it is but a few people have said to me oh i knew that was one of your photos before i even saw your name i thought well, how do you know that it goes because it's your style i'm like ah 
is that what that is then? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of experiment really. Um, follow other people, I'd say, look at other people's work um, and how they do stuff. I contacted quite a few people as well. I speak to a lot of people about how they do stuff and what they do, and that's a good way to learn. Um, and it's just practice with a drone. Um, get your flying skills kind of up to date and kind of be prepared um, in case anything does go wrong because, yeah, that time at Golf Castle, I wasn't prepared. So um, don't panic. Um and be prepared for stuff like that but then also yeah just enjoy it um make sure the weather conditions are right um experiment with different filters i know there's a lot of filters they sell out there but i think a lot of them just aren't worth it um i generally now fly with just a polarizer or a nd4 filter um i only experiment with the graduated i've also got um the polarizers do you know the, the circular polarizers on the drone yeah, but I just find them impossible to use because you can set them up, and the minute you turn, uh, the picture's ruined. I think sometimes, so I'd yeah, rather have just a full square polarizer on the camera. But mostly now, I just don't bother with filters um, unless I need them, and it's ND filters for that slow shutter work. But just experiment, um, try new things, and generally enjoy what you're doing. Um, and the weather plays a key part with a drone, I think. The lighting's probably the most important. But you don't always need um, sunset or um, some sort of sunrise light. You, you can get kind of really nice moody shots with just diffused light if you're doing top downs. I kind of like it when it's kind of a cloudy day because you get the diffused kind of, you get more density into your photos. Um, cool. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Um, it's been really nice chatting and hearing about your pictures. Um, and yeah, I hope hope everything works out for you in Cornwall. And yeah, we look forward yeah. to seeing some more of your shots in the future. Yeah, definitely cool. be seeing some stuff soon. Thank you. Cool. Cheers. See you later. Bye. <laughs>